0: Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. Okay, let me switch gears here. If you didn't catch, my name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. We're in a series where we're talking about our mission statement uh, as a church as we look towards the fall. Uh, And so let me say it again. I know you caught the part that Marcos highlighted, and I didn't even tell him that he was supposed to, but it works. You'll see why. But uh, here's what it is We are a church that follows Jesus together, and we are intentional about experiencing the Holy Spirit, creating a multicultural community and pursuing kingdom of God justice. So last week, Sarah talked about that first one, about experiencing the Holy Spirit. And today, Marco said it like six times, so well done. Uh, you, I'll, I'll give you your tip later. Nice work. Uh, we're talking about creating a multicultural community. And what it looks like to be a church that's learning how to do this, not that we're pros in it, but that we're learning what this looks like. Uh, And we're given a vision of this from the Bible. It's a good spot to start, right? In Revelation 7, 9, it says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. From every nation, tribe, people, and language. I want to break down what those words mean just for a second as we think about, like, okay, this is the vision that Jesus gives us of what eternity is going to look like, of what, uh, heaven's going to look like with all of us before God's throne. Uh, the word for nation that's used here in the, in the Greek is actually ethnos, which means ethnicity. So it would be, you know, uh, better translated as that for us, ethnicity. Tribe means an offshoot. It's pointing to the tribes of uh, Israel, uh, the the family of Jacob from Genesis. uh, I don't need to go through all 12. You know who I'm talking about. But it's this familial term uh, that points to family groups that are uh, around us. People is a universal word in this instance. So it means people from all over the world. And language means... Language means... Language, right? Okay, there we go. Wake up, guys. Come on. You're with me. Okay. Language means... There we go. Okay, thank you. So after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every ethnicity and family group, people from all over the world speaking all the languages, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb so this is the like heavenly picture of what eternity is going to be like this is what god is building his kingdom up towards right that's what we're told right here all languages ethnicities cultures families together worshiping before the throne of god so that's what we're moving towards in a macro sense but what about in a micro sense what does that look like here in hopkinton uh at vineyard church what does that look like for us you know, it is solidly summer. Did it feel solidly summer when you walked in? You're like, where's everybody at? So people are traveling. So uh, we're, we're, a little, we're a little lighter than we might be other weeks. But uh, can we still do a, a little bit of a test and see what it looks like for us? So if you speak another language as your primary language growing up, throw your hand in the air for me. Raise your hand other than english sorry i should i should have specified other than english like come on guys i was like <laughs> keep your hand okay keep your hand up for a second there okay we got uh we got Afrikaans, we got some portuguese we got some spanish uh french what was it african well yeah but which, which one is it it's Uganda. ugandan okay uh, Swahili. There we go. Okay. Okay. We got some French over here. We got Hindi, maybe uh, Hindi or different. Different. Okay. Even better. Perfect. So we got languages from all over the place. Um, so let's do this a little, a look at it a little differently if, if you're willing to still play. Um, if you were born in a country other than the U.S., throw your hands up so we can see it. Okay, now if you would be considered a minority group in America, throw your hand up too. And everybody, if you're born in another country or in a minority group. Okay, throw your hands up. So, again, it's August 20th. Everybody's trying to get in their weekend trips, right? Uh, But in our small micro sense, we have people from literally all over the world in our church. It's just kind of part of who we are. And I love being able to meet new people and having them say like, yeah, I walked in and I actually heard somebody speaking the language I spoke or people look like me and I didn't expect that in Hopkinton or, you know, all these different things. I love seeing that that's a part of our fabric of who we are. We're definitely not perfect in this, but we're growing, we're learning. You know, two years ago when Sarah and I rewrote our mission statement as a church, we we did it based on what Jesus was telling us about who we were supposed to be and who we were already becoming. So who we were supposed to be and who we were already becoming. And we looked at our church and we realized like, okay, we're somewhat diverse and we're kind of growing in that way. But we really felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, this needs to be something that you prioritize and that you grow at which requires learning i'll say it again we are a learning community in this not experts uh and so we want to learn together and what i want to do this morning is help us to learn a little bit more about what this looks like and why this is something that matters to jesus so you ready you ready to learn uh Are we multicultural or multi-ethnic? Some people get get tied up on that. Um, We say cultural, I think mainly because I guess Sarah's not here, so I can say whatever I want right now about that, uh, why we chose it. Um, She's at Framingham preaching at another Vineyard Church this morning. Uh, But I think it's because uh, we feel like Jesus wants us to not just be diverse, but to have space for different cultures to actually embrace it a little bit more, to give room for uh, worship in different ways and have different cultural values and cultural practices as a part of how we are as a community. Uh, And we want that to be a really life-giving thing for us as a church. Um, So what is culture? Dr. Charles Montgomery, he's a part of the national team for Vineyard USA, And I was in a thing at a conference recently with him and he talked about this and he said he defined culture as a shared pattern of beliefs, values, assumptions, and behaviors that distinguish one group from another or the way we do things around here. Uh, And then he, he took it another step and he said, if culture matters, then cultural intelligence is needed cultural intelligence is the capacity to function and relate effectively in culturally diverse situations. Uh, We want to be willing to grow in our cultural intelligence as we grow as a church in this way. So if I can give a little definition, but let me throw out some theology things that unfortunately in america in the church we haven't always done super well so throw some some just basics on theology around church for a second the first thing to remember is that we're all made in the image of god genesis 127 says so god created human beings in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them It's in Latin, the Imago Dei. It's this idea that we are all in the image. We reflect God. We're created to look like him. That means that we're all valued the same. That we're all welcomed into the family of God in the same way. It means that we all have the same access to God. Every single one of us. There's no differentiating factors in that. Every single one of us is welcomed into the presence of Jesus. We're all worth being loved, every single human ever. But we're different than each other, right? I'm a little different. You're a little different. We're different expressions of his image. We're unique. And we have different quirks and experiences that we have to deal with in order to be able to love God well. And again, this is like basics, but we can't do this on our own. We need Jesus because we sin, we fail, we come up short. And there's another team that's, that's against us. It's called evil. And we have to follow Jesus with intentionality and with purpose. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to make it. And the last thing that I want to throw out there just basing us in this is that Jesus has commanded us to leave old divisions and to strive towards unity. It's a command. It's not an option. So these are truths that kind of ground what it means to be the church, to be the body of Christ, the family of God. And in Galatians, Paul talks about this. So I want to read from Galatians three twenty-six through 29. It says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all have been united with Christ in baptism. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Have you ever read Galatians 3:28 and been like, "What are you talking about, Paul?" Anybody hear that and be like, "That's a little weird. There's no male or female. Like, I don't understand. like, yeah, we are. Like, I don't know what this means. What are what are you getting at here?" Does it mean that we need to leave our distinctives behind and become this like monolithic, like uh, indivisible, undiscernible from each other uh, being that are all the same like robots? Uh, Is that what Paul's telling us here? So let's break it down for a second. So it says in verse 26 that we are all children of God through faith in Jesus. Now, we have a lot of different families in the church. And I'll critique the church for that. Because I think we're wrong. I think it's wrong that we have so many denominations. I think it's wrong that we have so many splinters and splits all over the place. It's been used for good. But if we're truly one Church, we're not doing that very well. Paul says that we're supposed to be one family, not many based on cultural or political boundaries, not many based on power structures, but just one. That's God's goal. That's God's ideal. And we as humans have not done that particularly well. But what he's saying is that the entry point into the family is through is no longer through ethnic lines. It's through faith. And if you lived in 1st century Israel or uh if you were a part of a synagogue in one of the gentile cities like Paul was writing to uh, in Galatia, you would be a little thrown off by this because uh the entry point into the family of God into the line of Abraham was always completely through either two things one through birth you were born into it or two you made a dramatic life change and you started living according to the law of Moses which would have been very different from anything that you would have done it would have been dramatically different from the way that you were living at that point. There were no other options until Jesus came. And then Jesus says that, uh, that Paul says, but Jesus did, uh, that there's no longer a line between Jewish folks who were born into it and Gentiles who didn't choose it. There's no longer a line between those who choose to follow the law of Moses and those who choose to eat pickled pig's feet. They are all welcome through faith into the family of God. All who believe are welcomed in. That would have like blown some brains back in the day. We're used to it, but that would have blown some brains. And then he takes it another step and he says, no one is inferior. Gentiles are not inferior. Women are not inferior slaves are not inferior can you imagine a slave sitting down at a table with their master having equal say in what was going on in the church that would have blown some brains like it would have been pretty crazy for them Uh, Josephus he was a contemporary of Paul's and a historian and he said that women says the law are in all things inferior to men that was the attitude of the day There's no longer male or female. All are equal. That's pretty crazy at that point. All are equal in status. So what does this look like for us who live in a dramatically different culture and time than Paul 2,000-ish years ago? What are the implications for us Here's the first one, I think, is that segregation is illegal in the kingdom of God. There is zero space for segregation in the kingdom. All barriers are broken down in front of the throne of Jesus. Every single one of them. Again, we haven't always done this well, but hopefully we're learning as christians in general throughout time and the second thing is that we are required to learn how to become one we're required to learn how to live this out we don't get to pick and choose which parts of the bible that we like we don't get to pick and choose whether or not we want to follow the 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 things that we're reading we're required to become one and the hardest part of this is living it out right who has opinions on church? Raise your hand. (laughs) I know you do because you send me emails about it. You pull me aside. You you tell me about it. I know you have opinions on church, okay? So own it. You got opinions, right? (laughs) Um, There's lots of opinions on church. So when we do things in a way that affects your preferences, your opinions, it starts to rub a little bit right that's where it starts to feel when when all of a sudden you know uh we're we're doing uh, a song in a language that you don't know and you're like i don't know what to do with myself right now it might start to rub a little bit right when we're uh raising the volume level and you're like oh it hurts so bad uh it starts to rub a little bit. Like when uh, Marcos prays in Spanish and you're like, I don't know what he said. It starts to rub a little bit. If we start to uh, play uh, a worship song or we, we stop doing worship in the, in the way that you would like, it starts to rub a little bit. Um, if all of a sudden I turn into a black Pentecostal preacher, it'll start to rub a little bit. That's happening. But you know what I mean. Like you get me. Like it'll start to rub because we got preferences but we have to be one pastor derwin gray wrote that we hide our ethnocentrism with excuses like this is our style or this is the way we've always done church the gospel of the lord jesus doesn't give us the option to build homogenous local churches because god desires for local churches to reflect the eternal church We as a church have made the choice that we're not going to be uniform. We say every week that we're creating a multicultural church. It's kind of an accountability statement in some ways. Like, okay, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep learning. We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep trying. So we do the things that I just mentioned, we grow. We hold ourselves accountable. We try and create space. We try and look at the way we do things and say, if you're somebody from Togo, would the way that we're doing things make sense? Or do we need to tweak it a little bit so that there's an easier access point? If you speak another language as your primary language, is the way that we're doing things actually giving you a way in or are we closing the door in your face? We're actively asking those questions trying to learn because we're choosing unity, not uniformity. And this calling towards unity is good news, but honestly, sometimes, and it's normal, but we wonder if it really is good news because fear is really sneaky. And fear stops us from pushing ahead. Fear of difference, fear of losing what we're comfortable with, fear of losing what we like. But fear is not from God. 1 John 4, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his love. We love each other because he loved us first. The second you start to feel fear, you know what your response should be? Jesus, can I experience your love? Because where it is, there's no space for anything else. It destroys it. And our world is so filled with fear. It is obsessively filled with fear. And what it needs is the love of Jesus, the sacrificial, supernatural love of God that destroys it. Because our world, this is the message that our world gives us choose you, choose yourself. But the love of God says this it empowers us to say, I choose you. And that is countercultural in every single way. But it empowers us to live out what we see in the Bible in places like Philippians 2 4. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And it empowers us to live out what we read in 1 Corinthians, where Paul's talking about the body of Christ, and he's saying that if one part of the body suffers, then the whole body suffers. Do we actually allow ourselves to suffer when other people in the church are suffering? Do we celebrate when other people are celebrating? Because that's what it follows by. It says if they're honored, then rejoice. If somebody in our church is, is dealing with injustice, do I allow myself to feel their injustice, to feel what it is that they're going through because we are in this together? If somebody in our church is rejoicing because they're being celebrated for who they are and and how God's made them, am I celebrating the same way that I would for myself if it was happening to me? We're one body. We're connected. We're intertwined that's the biblical view of the church of the body of christ and segregation destroys that which is why we need to destroy segregation from that robin g Angela wrote that the most profound message of racial segregation may be the absence of people of color in our lives uh, maybe that the absence of people of color from our lives is no real loss Not one person who loved me, guided me, or taught me ever conveyed that segregation deprived me of anything of value. I could live my entire life without a friend or loved one of color and not see that as a diminishment of my life. You know, I think one of the healthiest things that we can do as we learn how to do this better is to allow that sort of a statement to actually sink in and say, how have I allowed that to be true? How have I allowed myself to be okay with being separate from people that God's put around me? Because that can't be our attitude. As followers of Jesus, we should long to be connected with the rest of the body. Because if others in the body aren't functioning, I'm not functioning. If Bonnie's not functioning, I'm going to struggle. If I'm struggling, Bonnie's going to struggle. Because that's how the body of Christ works. We're not separate, independent. We're interconnected. I'm not whole without you being whole as the body of Christ michelle sanchez she wrote this book called color courageous uh, discipleship and in it she wrote uh, this poem on what it looks like to build this kind of theologically orthodox biblically true community and if you'll allow me i want to read it it's a little bit longer but i think it's really good It starts off this way before the beginning there was love glorious rejoicing beautiful love a tripersonal community an everlasting embrace, a, be- a beloved community. Listen closely and you can hear its cadence, a gentle beating heart at the center of the universe. Unity and diversity, unity, not uniformity. Three partners, delighting in difference, savoring the dance. Love lacked nothing, required nothing. Love was satisfied. Yet this love could not be contained. So love overflowed in a burst of fire and light. Love took a three-dimensional canvas and painted day and night, sky and sea, flora and fauna, and then the crown, man and woman, delighting in difference, savoring the dance. And love flared into song over its children. Welcome to the beloved community. In you, I am well pleased. You are blessed to love and to multiply beloved community throughout the earth. And love rejoiced in the goodness and the wonder of its manifold masterpiece. But one day we accepted the lie that God is not love and you are not the beloved. We turned away from God to self. We turned away from neighbor to self. And then that self asked, Am I my brother's keeper? And we barely noticed our exchange of faith for fear. Fear of God, fear of death, fear of one another. So much fear. Self-interest born, beloved community broken. But love launched a plan. A plan to redeem and restore beloved community rebuilt on faith and sacrificial love. And love spread its arms as wide as the cross, casting out fear forever, filling us with courage and empowering us to rebuild beloved community together. Behold Pentecost. Behold beloved community recreated in fire and light. Behold God's chosen ones, holy and beloved from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, now being transformed from glory to glory, delighting in difference, savoring the dance. Behold the body of Christ reincarnate, empowered by the Spirit and entrusted with a great and colorful commission. You are blessed to live, to love and live in color. You are blessed to go and build beloved community. You are blessed to go and build beloved community. You know, this is both a choice and a commandment because following Jesus is always a choice right it's always a choice for every single one of us every day choice to follow him or not but if we choose to follow him the commandment becomes real at that point because to reach the goal of revelation 7 9 we have to be willing to live out acts 1 8 that says but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth we're called to build we're we're gifted the opportunity to build this beloved community this revelation vision by bringing Jesus to each and every person around us everywhere. And Derwin Gregg, and he says, the gospel demands, it obliges me to intentionally reach all people. Therefore, because of the gospel, I am under an obligation to preach God's message and create a ministry culture that is inclusive of of ethnically diverse people. We can't do this perfectly, but we can do the best that we can. And I would say that that's really what Sarah and I chose. When we redid our mission statement, we were like, this is what Jesus is calling us to. We said that this is what we're committing to. Jesus has called us to do ministry this way, and so we say yes to what it is that he's calling us to. You know, I I had a really awkward conversation like three months ago with somebody who got a little upset with me because of... um, somebody who was in our church. And I looked at him, and I said, it wasn't somebody in our church who was upset with me. So, right? Uh, no, no. Uh, um, but I looked at him, and I just said at one point, I was like, I don't get to choose who's a part of our church. And their face dropped. Because they just knew at that point. I was like, this isn't, my job's not choosing who's here. My job is to create space for each person that 's here to encounter Jesus that 's what i 'm called to do, and friends, that is the choice that we have. Will we be faithful to what God has called us to, or will we choose different? And so what I want to do, worship team you can come on up just as we transition to a time of worship, is I want to invite you to commit to living this out in our community, to choose to learn to be a a multicultural church, choose to create space for others, choose to value what each other brings, choose to live out and to build this beloved community. Will you commit to creating that sort of a community here at Vineyard Church of Hop? Thank you.